Good day, Kings Point residents. Raul Vargas here behind the controls at your Kings Point podcast production studio. And this morning, I have the pleasure of joining us, Barbara Sharif, Commissioner of Broward County's District 8. And she's going to inform us today as I have some questions for her because she's a candidate running for Congress for the empty seat and special election coming up in November due to the passing of the late Alcee Hastings. And this seat is for District 20 in Broward County. Good morning, Ms. Sharif. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic. How about you, Raul? I'm doing great. And before I even start with the questioning, I really want to give you a big thanks. And um, we appreciate here at Kings Point your participation in keeping the residents informed. Um, There's a good amount of candidates running for this empty seat. And um, your input and uh, you letting the residents know how you stand is very important because uh, that way it helps them making a decision. And um, it's awesome that you guys are participating in this. Thank you. So I just want to start by um, you telling our listeners and residents a little something about your background and yourself. Great. So the doctor in Dr. Barbara Sharif is because I am a doctor of nursing practice, 28 years in the healthcare profession, and I service medically complex children and adults. That's my specialty, and I do that in the home. And so I have a, a company that cares for patients in Dade and Broward counties, and I have just over 200 in, um, professionals um, that work for my company. Uh, in addition to that, I've had the honor and the privilege of being an elected office for a total of 13 years. Uh, 11 of those years have been served on the county commission where I have served uh, two terms as the mayor of Broward County, first African-American female mayor in the history of Broward County. I've also served as the Florida Association of Counties president advocating for all 67 counties in the state of Florida. And I've been to Washington, D.C. in that capacity on many occasions, um, uh, lobbying for water resources, health care, and infrastructure improvement funding, particularly at our port and our airport. Um, the other thing that I have done is I've sat on a national bipartisan health steering committee for nine years, um, trying to help to fix the Affordable Care Act and decrease prescription drug costs. And so I've had a lot of experience with issues that I believe are um, important to our senior community. And I'm looking forward to, um, I term out on the county commission for 2022, and I'm looking forward to carrying on um, in Florida Congressional District 20, the efforts that Congressman Hastings started, as well as um, addressing some of our current issues today. Wow, that's awesome, and it's great that you have uh, such an awesome resume, both in the healthcare community and in our Broward County community in general. Um, I'm going to start. Um, first of all, I'd like to let the residents know that the questions being asked today, I have also asked all the other candidates running for this empty seat to participate, and I am not discriminating. I will be asking them all the same questions and would like 
their honest input on all the same questions. And being, I'm going to start with the first question, being that uh, Kings Point is a 55 and over seniors community, I have geared several questions to the senior residents and the senior community in Broward County. And my first question is, Ms. Sharif, as our seniors are very important to us and we're all going to be there someday, how will you help the senior community here in Broward? So I have been helping the senior community in Broward, but there has to be done, uh, more done. And for example, um, seniors have talked about um, food insecurity, um, living on a fixed income and having to choose between paying the high cost of prescription drugs or putting food on their table. And um, in Broward County, we have programs to assist seniors um, to get food assistance as well as transportation, um, to and from appointments, to and from um, uh, personal appointments. Um, we've taken a large portion of the penny surtax and created more community bus service for seniors, as well as a fixed route service through our Broward County Transit System. And uh, one of the things that I think that um, the seniors in Broward County could benefit from is more affordable housing. And so we've created an affordable housing fund where we are actively looking to purchase properties and actively seeking landlords because we know that our housing stock is low. And all of this is being coordinated through our Area Aging and Disability Resource Center. And I'm not sure if they have the information or not, but I'd like to give the phone number for that in case anybody out there is listening that wants it. It's 954-745-9567, and that's the Area Agency for Disability Resource Center. They coordinate all services for Broward County seniors, and I think it's really important to have that number handy. Yes, it is. Yes, it is, because a lot of our seniors and me having a hands-on in Kings Point, um, I've done a lot with the city of Tamarack, and sometimes, not only in the city of Tamarack, talking about Broward in general, sometimes and not only with the seniors, there's programs available that our residents don't even have knowledge of. And some of these programs can be very helpful to them, very, very helpful. And um, It's true. Being, That's very true. Yes. Mm -hmm. And one of the, it's funny because one of the questions I had had to do with housing, so I'm not even going to go there because you just covered it. But I also have a question on health care. Um, what is your stance on health care, and are you in favor of more programs for our seniors? Oh, that's a good question. So that's what I specialize in. Um, so for the past 28 years, I've been dealing with seniors and uh, people with chronic conditions that are having issues with access to care. And one of the things that I can tell you is that Medicare is supposed to be a program that covers everything for you as you age. And one of the things that people who are in our senior population need the most is long-term care, and Medicare doesn't cover that. And so I would like to give information today to let everybody on this line know that you need to apply for statewide Medicaid managed care long-term care. And that is a plan that is given in addition to the Medicare plan, and that plan can cover long-term care. For example, I, um, I had a situation about three months ago where I had a gentleman who has Alzheimer's 
and he needed a place to stay because he was becoming very violent toward his wife and he did not have long-term care coverage and we had to go through the tedious process of trying to get him medicaid long-term care so that he could be dually enrolled in medicaid and medicare at the same time so he could be in a facility we managed to do that but it took us at least six weeks to try to get him through the program on an emergency situation and what i don't want is for seniors to be sitting there thinking that that Medicare will kick in when they need it and, and Medicare doesn't cover what they need. So um, again, if you need that service, if you think you're going to need it, you need to start the application process. Now it does take a while. Um, and again, the number for the um, ADRC is 954-745-9567. Cool, cool. And that's very good to know. Now, um, also, you know, it's unconscionable that we live in the world's richest nation and there's so many obstacles for affordable health care. How do you feel about Medicare for All? So Medicare for All would be great if Medicare actually covered everything. But because it doesn't, um, our best plan of attack is going to be Medicaid expansion yes. and covering long-term care. And so the third tier to that um, solution will be now block buying drugs, meaning um, having the Food and Drug Administration agree to go to other countries to view their plants and their drug um, productivity line and um, how they uh, create their drugs and produce them in their plants and make sure that they meet the standards of the United States so that we can buy prescription drugs from other countries and decrease the cost of prescription drugs to our, our um, senior community here in America. Because drug costs are, are huge in terms of healthcare and um, you know, people with who are aging have lots of chronic conditions like hypertension, diabetes, um, thyroid disease, um, gastrointestinal problems, and so these all require medications for chronic conditions. But those medications can be very costly. And I would say that as a congressperson, I'm going to advocate for um, the Federal Food and Drug Administration to do block drug buying and negotiate with other countries to decrease those costs. That's excellent. And, you know, it's funny because as we get older, all the stuff, you know, that we least expect starts to trickle in all the ailments and all the different uh, kinds of sicknesses start to trickle in where we do need and it's important to have the health care coverage. And, it um, is. If, if voted into this empty congressional seat, what actions will you take to make our neighborhoods better and safer? So that's a great um, question. You know, we, uh, we have a problem with um, understanding that community policing is the best way to take care of each other. If you see something in the neighborhood, you have to say something. Correct. Um, senior communities for a long time have been targeted by people who want to um, rob or take advantage of, um, steal money, uh, break into their houses. And um, we have to 
be vigilant in our community about taking care of each other. The other thing that we have to do on a local level is have our community, our police come out and hold community meetings. Um, in, in many of the communities that I am the commissioner of right now, we have a community crime watch program. And that crime watch program consists of police officers riding around on bicycles in senior communities just to have a presence there, having a clearly identifiable homeowners president and association that they can go to and talk about um, safety issues, which particularly occur during holidays and um and, and during times where um, people are coming home late in the evening after maybe an event or, you know, seven, eight o'clock at night when it's getting dark, you know, people are preying on our seniors in their communities. And so um, just the knowledge of having uh, the police presence and knowing how to get in contact with them and then just being hypervigilant about your surroundings and protecting one another. Yes, indeed. See see something, say something. That's the quote, right. and it's very important. And um, I've had the pleasure to work with BSO closely here in Tamarack. I've had the Sergeant of uh, Criminal Investigations, Sergeant Williams, has done several sessions with me on crimes affecting the senior community. And we've been, for right. we've been fortunate to do it in both in English and Spanish for the residents. And we're actually, mm -hmm. we're actually right now, he has a Creole office on his staff now which we're trying to even get a interview done in Creole for the residents here at Kings Point so yes it is important to be vigilant yes now you know it was something we spoke about a little earlier as far as programs and stuff available in our communities and our cities how as a representative can we get the information out to our senior community and keep them informed with programs available to them? Well, you know, one of the things that I think we have to do is um, communicate on the right forms. So we can do public service announcements, which we have done in the past about programs that are offered to seniors. We also can set up community meetings in the districts so that um, so that you can have um, a, your representative come out and host a meeting so that we can go over all of these things. So for example, um, I go to the homeowners association meetings and I give out a book which I've made and it's called the Commissioner on a Mission Helpful Information Guide. And in that guide, it addresses every single one of these issues that we're going to talk about today, but it also addresses even more. Um, you know, if you want a job, if you're looking for um, uh, help around the house that's not medical, if you're looking for resources, going to our consumer services division, if you need a roof repair or something like that so that you can get a reference instead of having be scammed by people out in the community. So we have resources that we can give. I'd be more than happy to uh, send you copies of the community um, guide that I have. But also, um, if you invite um, people like myself to the community, we can share that information. Reach out to your county commissioners um, 
and representatives and ask them to come and they, they should come. I always come to mine. And I, I believe that um, I spoke to Julie Fishman yesterday at one of the Tuesday tables at Kings Point, and she's now uh, the Democratic Club president at Kings Point. And she mentioned to me that you guys are holding a forum on July 21st over at Kings yes. Point. Are you going to be part of that that day? Yes, I'll be part of the forum that day. That's excellent. So I'm going to be there and I get the chance to actually meet you in person. Um, yes, that would be wonderful. And um, I'm going to skip over a question because being that we were talking about policing and keeping our uh, community safe, I just want your input. What is your take on police reform? How do we get our communities and police to interact better with each other? So the first thing I would say is um, that there has to be some kind of a joint meeting with our community and our police department where they can get input on, on their policing efforts and their policies. Many times the policies of the police force um, create more uh, division and issues with the community because they don't understand those policies. I think going over what those policies are, you know, how you respond to a domestic call, how you respond to a robbery in progress, how do you treat a victim after the fact, what kind of follow-up occurs. I think those are the things that um, people need to know up front. So when these things happen, they know what to expect. The worst thing in the world is for something to happen to you where you have to deal with the police and you have no idea what your next steps are and, and whether or not you as a victim um, is going to receive that contact from the police department and who you should be expecting that from. And so um, I think that there's a lot of unclarity and misunderstandings out there about our police policies and what jobs they do and how they can do them better. And I think people need the opportunity to hear that, talk about their experiences and engage so that they can change the policies in local police departments. Because, you know, we're preempted from changing police policy. The only people that can change it is them. And so it's not even something that we can really legislate because we're, our hands are tied. So we have to go into at the community level and start those changes. That's really a great answer, and I am so pro-police, and it's so difficult now to be law enforcement with everyone having a camera up on the officer's face when they're out there doing something to try to help the community, and their job has become tougher and tougher by the day. So what you said there, I agree with 100% because... um. We need more, you know, there's local law enforcement that are having trouble recru recruiting new officers because of how hard the job has become for them. And uh, Yeah, it is. Yeah. And it's dangerous. It's, it's very dangerous. It's yeah. gotten very dangerous, correct. And, um, you know, one thing I... um. I'm constantly in Kings Point. I don't live there. I actually live around the corner from them. But um, I do a lot of events there, and I work hand-in-hand -hand with a lot of the clubs, the board, and everything. And for a fact, I know that Kings Point has a large uh, number of gay residents. And uh, one of my questions is, what is your stance on the LGBTQ rights? First of all, let me just say 
that I am a member of the National Human Rights um, Foundation, and I've been supporting um, LGBTQ rights as human rights for a very long time. I think that we have to, in order to move America in the right direction, we have to all be supporting inclusivity and individuality for all. And that means equal access to health care, fighting discrimination in the workplace for LGBTQ um, communities, and um, letting them know that they are people. They're just people and they are uh, people that are entitled to the same rights that everyone else has. And I, I think that for a long time, we keep legislating this, like this is something that needs to be legislated and I would like for it to be over. I think that um, LGBTQ rights are uh, should be granted on every level the same as everyone else has. I look at them just the same way that I look at um, rights for women, uh, African-Americans, uh, Hispanics. Uh, it is equal rights for all. That's the way we should look at it. And we should craft some legislation that does that so that we don't have to piecemeal them in every time we have an issue that comes up. Indeed, indeed. And I'm old school. I grew up in New York and um, I was taught and disciplined to respect everyone the same way. And it's yeah. it's important to uh, to treat everyone equally. It's very important. Yes. And um, we're having such a controversy now with I immigration. And it's funny because people forget this country was put together and brought up on our ancestors coming here from other parts of the countries and helping build and establish what we have now. How do you feel about the immigration reform? So immigration must be addressed with permanent long-term solutions. And I'm not sure if you're aware, but the Haitian president, Jovenel Moise, was just murdered I this morning. Yes. He was assassinated. I read the article. Yes. And um, if a Democratic president of a Caribbean nation, which is in turmoil, who's needed intense, who has sought asylum here in the United States for uh, over 50 years, um, since the time of Duvalier and all of the earthquakes and the natural disasters that have hit Haiti, people from of Haitian descent have been seeking refuge here in the United States forever. And they keep getting this temporary protective status that's temporary. And I think that what we have to do now is reform our immigration system so that there is a clear path to um, a citizenship for those that are seeking asylum. We also need to um, put a moratorium on deportations until we have assessed and evaluated each of these cases that are in the system and know exactly why these people are here. We keep deporting people, and I think that that's not a fair thing for America to do when someone's seeking asylum. Um, we. And the, and the immigration enforcement portion of it that includes ICE and CBP, those things have to be reformed because you can't detain somebody and then hold them in inhumane conditions. And so you either 
uh, allow them to go into the community, into the family where that's going to accept them in. Start the paperwork for them to legally get a, a asylum here uh, or a permanent status here. And, and, and stop with the nonsense because you can't put people in inhumane conditions. That's worse than a prison. And so um, as a congressperson, those, that's really my focus. Everybody needs an equal opportunity. The American dreamers that are of Hispanic descent, they need to be able to stay here and finish their education and start contributing and getting the, and gaining you know, the ability to buy a house and, ha and live the American dream. If, if we're truly about being inclusive as a nation, then we have to start with our immigration policy. Yes, indeed. And, you know, it's very important because um, it's heartbreaking to see some of these families and individuals separated from their loved ones and the treatment they get. Yes. And since we're on immigration, I'm going to switch over now because a lot of that has to do with work and jobs and what's available to them. What is your stance on the economic security and income equality? What do you think is a fair minimum wage? That seems to be a constant issue and argument in Washington. Okay. So the minimum wage at the $15 an hour base pay is one thing. And I think that the $15 an hour is great. But people need health insurance and benefits. And on average, health insurance and benefits cost an employer somewhere between $3.45 an hour and $5 an hour, okay? So when we factor that in, um, we can say that the base minimum wage should be $15, and I think that's fair, but we also need to say that there has to be some form of benefits provided, and then that would take the pay up to about $20 an hour, which would be... Uh, significant enough for a person to live, get the access to health care that they need, but also be able to have a savings towards something like buying a house if that's what they desire. Because after all, you don't want to be a renter for the rest of your life. And so that's really what my take is on it. If the if the average two-person household in um, the state of Florida will need um, $24 an hour with insurance benefits in order to live a comfortable life and save for a home, then if we pay one person $15 an hour plus benefits, um, we should be able to have that person live a pretty good life and be able to afford the things that they need to afford. Yes, it would help them live substantially and not, you know, there's a lot of families living paycheck to paycheck and struggling every week because of uh, the low income they make and, you know, the struggles they have and obstacles they have before them. So, yes, that was right. a very good answer, and I agree with that. It should be better for all. And I don't see why this country can't implement something like that. This is the richest nation. I think nation. we can. Yes, and I know we can. It's just the struggle to get it done. And it's funny because being that we are, we are talking about income equality, you know, Kings Point is a, is a senior's community, but many of them are grandparents. And um, mm -hmm. our children are our future. They're very important to us. What is your input on schooling and educational programs for our youth? Well, first of all, um, let me just say, 
that we need in the American educational system and our job force um, and our ability to fill high paying jobs and high tech jobs. It's lacking because we do not guarantee tuition and debt free public colleges. Um, we need to do that. Um, we need to allow people the opportunity, whether you come from an affluent family or whether you come from a single parent household where your mom or your dad is working every single day, no matter where you come from, you should be entitled to a free education. And right now, um, you know, we get a lot of pushback on that concept. And I think that if you're going to say that you want to move the country forward, the only way you could do that is by educating our future. Because us old folks, you know, I might have six college degrees, but hey, I'm 49. I'll be 50 in November. I'm not going to be able to do what I'm doing forever. Correct. And so we need to educate children to come up behind us. We also need to give opportunities for education to adults that want a second chance. Don't you agree? Oh, a hundred percent, one hundred percent. If you're going to stop generational poverty, you've got to give a parent an opportunity to break that cycle as well as give a child an opportunity to break that cycle. And so by allowing um, more Pell Grants for low-income students to cover the non-tuition and fee costs of schools, um, which includes housing, books, supplies, transportation, and other costs of living, you know, um, for me as a parent, my my kids were lucky enough to get into college on scholarships because of their merit, because of their grades. You know, they graduated with over 4.8 and 5.1 as a GPA. So they got in on merit scholarships. But guess what? I have to pay for the housing. And that housing is expensive. And many parents can't afford to do that. So what happens to the kids? The kids stay home and go get a job and they can't break that cycle. Exactly. And so, you know, from my perspective, that's what we have to do to fix education. And it's like they're being cheated from a good education and, and, and really building to something they would really want to be. They would have to take a step back and go in another direction. And that's, you know, that's not helping the situation at all no not at all well with all the division and all the craziness going on in this country um which is very sad to see my last question for you today is what is your stance on social and racial justice so social and racial justice has become uh more of an issue in the for forefront because when President Trump was in office, people uh, really started to show their true stripes and um, started to come out with this divisive um, rhetoric and, race and racial hate of uh, different communities, whether it be African-Americans who have always been under attack, whether it be Jewish Americans or Asian Americans. I think that um, uh, education, reform of police policies, and the for-profit um, uh, prison life 
um, that exist here in America. You know, we're probably one of the few countries that make money off of keeping people locked up in jail. If we want to reform, we want to give people second chances and rehabilitate, we have to uh, take initiative to do that. And so we have to change the way our prison system is, is set up. We also have to ensure due rights are um, given. And that means that when a person gets represented represented by a public defender, that that doesn't mean that they take a plea deal and go to jail. That means that they are represented, truly represented, and that there is a fight to keep that person free and to give them as much resources as we can. I want you to think about this in the terms of uh, criminal justice and public safety. It costs us in Broward County over $3,000 a month to keep someone locked up for over 30 days. Okay? Couldn't you pay your mortgage? Couldn't you buy food? Couldn't you live off of that? No kidding. It is ridiculous that we are locking people up in our criminal justice system and we're not allowing them the opportunity to get back on their feet and to turn their life around. That's what we need to be putting dollars into. And um, I think we need to cut the prison population. We need to um, stop the way that um, the community is policing on the war on drugs. I think that um, we've been fighting this war over legalizing marijuana and expunging uh, past convictions and allowing um, people to have a second chance. I think that we have to put more diversionary programs in place for children who have had contact with police um, so that they don't keep down that path and that they can get a better um, a better life. You know, Miami-Dade County implemented a program that allowed uh, children who had had contact with police officers to get into a jobs program and a training program to push them into the right direction for vocational school or college or better life and to keep a steady job so that they wouldn't have to commit crimes um, out of the need for whether it be food security or income security, because that's what they've been, they were doing. And it was very successful and they've expanded it. And what I did is I presented to the border county commissioners just before the summer break a program to get a million dollars allocated to improve our program and to do something very similar. And so I think that it's only with diversionary programs and investing in the community that you're going to stop and have real criminal justice reform. I think that there's not much that you can do about um, someone who's born with hatred, except um, have the community show them that uh, equality and justice for all is what we're going to be seeking. And then those voices will be muted or changed, but you're not going to be able to um, do what it is that you want to do without making that community change because people who hate are going to always hate. But if you take a community and you make that community inclusive, loving, forgiving, and um, rehabilitative for all, I think we can change the momentum that was the the trajectory actually uh, of, of what was started when Trump was in office. We can change that and make it more positive. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. I think that was an excellent answer. And um, I just want to say before we sign off, 
do you have um, any last words for our residents here at Kings Point? So what I'd like to say to the residents at Kings Point is that I'm Dr. Barbara Sharif. I am running for Congress and I'm hoping to gain your support for November the 2nd. I will be a staunch advocate for all the issues that affect our seniors. It's been my life passion. It's been what I've worked on as 28 years as a healthcare professional, and I won't let you down. I haven't let my senior community down as a county commissioner, and I'm not going to Congress to let you down. Uh, we are going to work through every issue that we have together because as a community, it makes us stronger. I will be your representative, your advocate. Please feel free to call me. If you'd like to volunteer for my campaign and do phone banking, my number is 954-743-9240. That's 954-743-9240. I need your help because I can't do this alone. Well, there you have it, Kings Point residents. One-on-one uh, -on -one here today with Dr. Barbara Sharif, Commissioner for District 8 and candidate for Congress on the empty Elsie Hastings seat, which will be a special elections in November. I just want to say, Ms. Sharif, thank you for participating in this interview with us today. It helped us enlighten our residents, and I wish you the best of luck in the upcoming election. Thank you, and thank you so much for having me. Oh, it was our pleasure, and always you know our doors are open to you anytime you can give us a call if you ever want to do another podcast session just to talk about anything in general we're here for you and again okay. thank you very much and you have a great day you too bye-bye